Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome or welcome back to the Thoughts That Manifest podcast. I'm Elle, and I am a mindset and manifestation coach who aims to inspire you to awaken your mind to the limitless potential that is within you. Hello, everyone. Courtney and I are back today with another episode for you, and today's episode is an interesting one. So what we're actually going to do is... I came across a thread on Reddit and I'm normally not on Reddit, but I was seeking out this thread. <laughs> so no, I've never actually been on Reddit. No, you haven't. Yeah, I don't I don't go on it very often. It's pretty wild over there, I must say. There's drama, people say some crazy things, you get all the 411, and then you have to like unpack it and be like, okay, is this real life? Is this real life? But A thread that I came across was people stating their unpopular opinions and their hot takes when it comes to marriage. So I thought it would be fun to share them with you and kind of discuss, and then Courtney and I will discuss like what we think about them, if we like agree with them or whatnot. Now, keep in mind, it is okay in this day and age to have difference of opinions. It is okay. You're supposed to actually just agree to disagree politely. Right. everyone forgets it's okay but you know it's actually just so crazy to me because I feel like if I was surrounded by people in my day-to-day life and everybody thought the same as me it would get so boring it would you have to have like that differing ideas like the whole premise behind philosophy is to explore new avenues and new ideas and concepts and open yourself up to possibility. So it's pretty interesting that we're so re- like headstrong and resistant now. Yes, I agree. And it's so easy to want to like, I, I just feel like the world today, the atmosphere, the environment that has been created, it's like, if you would disagree with someone, that person is so quick to say you're a bad person because you don't think the same way I do. Oh, yeah. Or they like mislabel you socially for something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know. What I'm trying to say here is just keep an open mind when we have this discussion. You do not have to think the same as us and we do not have to think the same as you. That's okay. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Starting with the first unpopular opinion. So someone said, you should never get married without living with someone first. And then somebody responded back to that and said, actually, a couple should not live together before they get married. Mm, So sounds generationally differing opinions. Because if you think, if I think about it, my grandparents' generation, you don't live together before you get married, right? It's super taboo. But in like our age bracket, our parents, and then like everyone younger, it's kind of, unless you grew grew up, I, I feel like super religious. Mm-hmm. It's, why would you not live together? It's like after college, if you don't get married right away, it seems economically like physically impossible if you don't have assistance from parents or some source that you would have to live with your partner. So true. Yeah. Living on your own in today's world is expensive and really 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 hard to do and many can't do it because of financially it being like a constraint I also think too like going back to our grandparents generation I'm pretty sure now maybe I'm wrong but from my opinion a lot of people back then got married really young Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Late teens, early, really early 20s. Yeah. And a lot of them were like in the war. So I feel like it was more common to get married really young back then as well. Yeah. And then now it's, I think the average is probably closer to 30s. Mm-hmm. which statistically is more successful. So it will be interesting in, you know, 20, 30 years to see if divorce rates are still lower. But you know, it's so um, funny. Literally the next bullet point here of another unpopular has to do with that. Yeah. 99% of people shouldn't under any circumstances marry before 30. I was going back to the uh, living together thing. I think to it's reddit right so everyone is entitled to their own opinion but you got to do whatever's best for you and even if your family like some people's families might pressure them like oh you shouldn't live with your spouse because like of our beliefs but if your beliefs are changing i think that that's i feel like that's okay like you have to do whatever's right for you and hopefully the people in your life if they don't support you initially at some point at least that they do but my own experience with living with someone before we got married it shows true red flags of things that I probably wouldn't have caught, like drug addiction and cheating mm-hmm. that I would have I would have found out after I agreed to get married and then would have ended up divorced. So to me, it benefited me. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. You really do. Because also, if you think about it, like living with someone is such a big step. You have to now coexist in the same environment. And if you move in with someone after you're married and you realize living together is just toxic and it does not work, why would you want to spend the rest of your life in a toxic environment? Mm. Because now you're married and of course you can like divorce and whatnot. But what I'm trying to say is like, why put yourself through all of that when you can find out beforehand and not go through all the legal issues? Right. You know what? This question also makes me think of that would be a super, super hot take. Do you have sex before you marry someone or after? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that and that, too, I think depends on religious views. Right. Or personal beliefs, morals, personal beliefs, but also you have to ask yourself because some people, most people who say, okay, let's, uh, I feel like this is what I have seen or heard personally is people who are like, oh, you shouldn't wait because what if the sex is bad? But to me, what I think is what if the intimacy connection isn't there? Because for Mm. me, it's, it's more than, it's more than just like, is it good or bad? But there's a level of connection that you get with someone. Mm-hmm. during that and if you if you don't have that intimacy the in there in that spot like it bleeds into the rest of the intimacy that's non-sexual I feel like in, in your relationship but I also I guess like I respect that someone has a different opinion oh yeah 100% and I mean I, I see like both sides to all of these right I can see why somebody would believe that they wouldn't want to have sex before marriage. And I also see why somebody would want to have sex before marriage. And I could see why somebody would want to live with someone before and why somebody would not. So I get it. But my personal, personal, like what I would do for my own life. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say that I waited until marriage. Not (laughs) Not going to say not gonna say I waited like I did get married to the man so (laughs) I did yeah so then what do you think about the whole people shouldn't marry before 30 oh 
it's personal opinion is wait because you're you're doing so much self-discovery in your 20s and you're working through all your childhood traumas and you're figuring out who you are and what you want to do with your life and you're like hanging out with your friends and building those relationships and I think it's hard I think it would be hard to maintain a full-on marriage when you don't even know who you fully are and I've had my dad was married three times and his second wife got married at 23 and they were married I think like eight years or something like that and she she had told me I had no idea who I was when I married your dad and unfortunately if I knew we may not have gotten married or we may have gotten married still when I was older but it would have worked out Mm. so it's interesting I personally wanted to wait until I was 30 I really wanted to wait until Trevor was 30 because there's actually a website and I could probably look it up while we're on here and then tell people what it is but divorce rates for men who get married at or after 30 plummet like they're super low if they get married before 30 the divorce rates are super high right and and to put a little astrological spin to this by the age of 30, you had gone through your Saturn return and your Saturn return comes in to really um, teach you some lessons. So, and if you have like Saturn in your seventh house, for example, and you have your Saturn return three years after you got married, two years after you got married, it could come in and kind of throw a wrench into things. Not always though, but at the end of the day, yeah. Like you, I also think you have to, if you do get married early or young, I should say, I do feel like you really just need to make sure that you have a life partner who you know you can grow with. Mm. So, so interesting too that we're talking about this. I just watched two podcast episodes of interviews of Jada Pinkett Smith, who got married to Will Smith, I think at age 23. And it's so interesting the way she describes her perspective on how she went into the marriage with these blinders of like, it's going to be perfect. He's going to complete me. And I, he's got to like basically be her everything, which I see a lot of people do. And I feel like that's kind of the naive mentality when you get married in your twenties versus, you know, when Trevor and I went into marriage, we were like, okay, we're partners. We're individuals. And we both have our own dreams and goals. And we both understand that, neither one of us fully completes the other one in that like romantic storybook way, but we complement each other as partners. And the other thing that's interesting is she basically said like it was all about trying to fulfill this full-on idealized romantic partnership. Is This is what I gathered from the interview, but I think the most important thing you have to be before you're married or even like in a super developed romantic relationship that's going to give you a real solid ground is being best friends Mm. because you and your partner aren't best friends or or friends at all or have that like intimacy that friends would have then it's hard I don't know how people do it man because if you friend think about it best friends and friends like each other and love each other and a way that I like to look at it too is show up in a relationship 100% as in 100% you you're not looking for somebody to complete you Mm, yeah like in a relationship where you can authentically be you Mm -hmm. yeah and you have to be like okay with yourself I'm not saying like I don't think people have to like you know have worked through everything because I feel like that will it's impossible lifetime yeah it's impossible you know what I mean but at least have some level of self-awareness of how 
your past might be affecting your present and work through some of the trauma so that you're not showing up and getting triggered constantly in relationships because that can be really painful as well projecting onto the other person projecting projecting onto the person that was a a topic that she basically talked about too I'm trying to remember exactly how it was explained but basically Jada like went into the relationship expecting Will to not have any human flaw and it's it's almost like naive like why how would you even like even at 20 years old I wouldn't expect everyone in my life to not have any flaws so I don't know how it's like perfectionism right there yeah so you know going into marrying Trev I was like I know he's he's got like a good side but just like me he's got a dark side of himself you have that shadow self Mm -hmm. and if you go into marriage believing that your partner does is on a pedestal and doesn't have a shadow side when it comes out you you're gonna be like I don't know you Mm mm-hmm but Ironically, I married when I was 27, Josh was 29, and honestly, the way I look at it for us is that it felt like the right moment because we had been with each other since I was 18 and he was 20, um, 20, and I feel like that was a long time that we were together. We lived together for a while before that. We really knew each other. We grew a lot together because think about it, at age 18 and 20... (laughs) You're so young. You're still trying to unpack what the hell has been happening in your childhood and your teen years. And trying there was to- no way I showed up to that relationship as a healed version of myself at all. I had a lot yeah. of a lot of work to do. That just goes to show that you can do the work while still being in a relationship. Mm-hmm. But we didn't get married until later on. And I mean, of course, there were different reasons. I think that came into that as well, like financially and things like that. But at the end of the day, do what you think. But yeah, as you get older, you do get wiser. Yes, that was one of the other reasons we also waited. We we had to, you know, pay for the foot the bill ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people who get married young have parents who I would say are flush. Yeah, or a lot of debt. Mm -hmm. Weddings Mm -hmm. ain't cheap. Mm Mm-hmm. So here's another hot take. This is, this could be a very hot take. (laughs) For everyone's sake, do not stay together for the kids. Oh, don't stay together. (laughs) Don't stay together. Like personal experience. I think if my parents had stayed together, it would have, when they were together before they got divorced, it was dysfunctional because like I said, they weren't friends anymore or they never were and it became this emotionally and physically abusive environment and as a parent I would like to exude to my children a happy home where two parents are in love Mm -hmm. so I want to gross my teenage kids out by hugging and kissing on their dad so that they know that that's healthy that that's what a you know what a and also show them you know the dark sides that you know maybe we're bickering it's going to happen, but, you know, dad and mom are going to come back together and hug and kiss on each other. Yeah. Show them the full loop. But, like, if you're living Opposite. together and living separate lives, I've known people I've gone to school with whose parents literally lived together and lived separate lives, and it messed them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, before my parents divorced and they were living together and not happy and fighting all the time, and I never once saw my parents be intimate. Like, I don't remember them once kissing in front of me, ever. They didn't sleep in the same bed. Touching each other. 
Yeah, my, my dad slept on the couch every night. It just like, it felt cold. It felt like harsh and distant. Mm-hmm. And they would always fight, especially over like money and things like that. And my dad would always like leave and go to his friend's house and slam the doors behind. And there was always slamming doors and yelling. And not that my mom would yell because my mom wasn't really like a yeller, but it was my dad getting stressed out, feeling like he could never please my mom. And Also him struggling with what he was going through with his depression and his addiction. But I remember like when my parents got divorced, I remember actually feeling relieved and it was the most confusing thing for me because I was like, I'm sad, but also why am I so relieved right now? I feel like I'm going to have peace in my environment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely could see that. There's also, you have to ask yourself, this goes back to making the right decision for yourselves because I think some people can co-parent really well together Mm -hmm. and still show that like respect even though they're not partners anymore maybe. I personally have never heard of anyone being able to do that and I've never seen anybody doing doing that that lived in the same like single family home together but you know that's not to say that it doesn't exist just because I haven't seen it but I, I feel like like you were saying, like you were awkwardly relieved because you f- knew that your environment was going to go back to being peaceful. Mm-hmm. And all of that stuff you mentioned, like the fighting over money and slamming doors, what it does is it creates traumatic events in children that then tie into their entire adulthood because all of the money mindset things that you had to make huge shifts for and still you know, actively work on, something I have to work on as well, That all stems from that initial experience. Yeah, 100%. Are you doing your kids good by staying together or are you actually doing them more harm? Mm, Because you're not showing them a healthy, happy, whole version of yourself and the other parent. I think that is probably like the best thing that you could do for a child is work on, you know, doing the inner work. My sister just like explains that to her daughter. You know, like, not being not honest, oh, yeah, no, no parent's perfect and actually like having those conversations for sure. Yeah. Like I'm human. I may be your parent. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what I'm doing. We're working on this together. I'm working on me and, you know, healing everything still. So it's going to be a process. I think yeah. that alone is a huge thing to do. Oh my gosh. Yeah, definitely. I think the communication piece with your child is huge. And because yeah, then you don't grow up. I- I feel like I kind of grew up with like this false thought process of like what my parents should be, especially my mom, which like if she, one, if she had even put in an ounce of effort to try to be a better parent, I think that would have been huge. But also if she had explained that that's what she was doing and she didn't know what she was doing at the time and asked for my feedback, she never, even when we were upset, we didn't have any right to be there and be upset. So if she had even taken the consideration of, well, how... How do how does that make you feel and how can we kind of work on this together is huge and create oh, yeah. a whole different dynamic for you as an adult because then you you know that you should be respected and how you feel and your boundaries should be respected, which is mm-hmm. and you also learn how to communicate. Yeah, you learn therapeutic communication and that your that communication is necessary for a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Now here's another one which I think probably agree with. 
If you are so frustrated with your spouse that you're venting about your relationship to other people and online, then you need to be having a conversation with your spouse, not to people or online. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I understand that completely. I do think if you're in a tough situation and you don't know what to do, you may turn to your closest friend. Your closest friend, yeah. I would just say I would preface that with a warning label that they're going to give you, if they're a good friend, they're going to give you the real and mm-hmm. it might not be some shit you like. When you told me the real on how you felt about what you were spot on for, oops, I used his name. Maybe you should edit that. <laughs> um, when you gave me like your real tidbit on that, I didn't like it. And it took me years to see your full perspective. Man, were you right? And you gave it to me kind of raw. But mm. it caused a lot of problems because I was expecting you to just be supportive uh, ultimately for me, which you were, but not in the way that like I thought I wanted. Mm, that makes I sense. didn't know what I needed kind of thing. So yeah. people asking other people. Yeah. And I would say too, like, because of course it's natural to want to vent to people, like your friends, like your closest friends, if you're having issues. But if you're having like, it's not like huge life-threatening issues or like things like that you want to just be a little bit mindful because you're kind of creating a narrative and painting your partner Mm -hmm. a certain way to your friend and your friend's going to start thinking of your partner in that light and they're not going to notice as much of the good qualities about your partner because that's not what you're speaking about all the time Yeah, like share both yeah like if you're only complaining about your partner your friend you're going to start to resent them for you I think there's two things that I would think of too. One, you have to ask yourself, are you a chronic complainer about mm-hmm. everything, including your partner? So maybe you should check on that because maybe mm-hmm. you changed into some gratitude practices in yeah. in your life if you're com- just naturally a complainer who complains about and everything. Yeah. And two, if you're never speaking proudly and happily about your partner to people, it's going to cause them, like you said, to have a negative narrative. But also, why aren't you? Mm-hmm. Do, do you have trauma around speaking about people like that like in do a positive you actually life? not see them in a positive light do you have resentment for I mean, some reason red flags all of them yeah definitely um okay it's inappropriate for your spouse to spend time alone with friends of the opposite sex or whatever sex that they're attracted to agreed <laughs> <laughs> like immediately trevor and i just both believe Maybe people are, like, more woke, I guess. I don't know. But we both fully understand that at some point we're animals and there's going to be certain level of attraction. And, again, this goes with your shadow side. So I guess if you could trust your shadow side enough not to fulfill those animalistic intuitions, maybe it would work. Yeah. Mm, But we both don't out of respect for each other because it, it also creates this weird line where... Okay, maybe they're a friend, but then just like you last said, what if you're complaining and you create this negative narrative? And like I said, your partner should be your best friend. Well, what if you're now becoming best friends with a different girl? And it creates this weird where you're like, you're not pouring yourself into like your marriage relationship. You're pouring yourself into a side friendship. Mm. And that's going to become your main focus because that's where your, your needs are being met, not your marriage. Yeah. I mean, I think it really depends to like, who is the person? How well does your partner know them? Because, for example, Trev and I were home while oh, we were working. Actually, that's right. Shit. <laughs> I let you and Trev hang out alone all the time. 
yeah, like we, you were working and we were just watching TV and oh, I guess I, I lied. <laughs> I guess you have to gauge how well you trust the other yeah. the other female, right? Like have I you met them? Have you had conversations with this person that they want to hang out with alone? Well, here's the other thing. You're my friend. Yeah. And you're married. I know you're super happily married. Absolutely. You came to visit me. You know what I mean? So you and yeah. I have this. But it's different variables. Like, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I know you because, like I said, you're my friend. You're not his exclusive friend. Mm-hmm. I also, though, wouldn't have a problem. And you guys have done this before because you surprised me. You two have each other's phone numbers. So you guys could talk all you want. And if neither one of you tell me what the other one is saying, I don't know what you guys are, if you guys are talking or what you're talking about. But I trust both of you so much. And I know you both so well that either at some point I'm going to hear about it because you guys enjoy each other's company and you and you want to share stuff with me, both of you, or I just trust that you guys got this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think what it is, is there's a mutual love for you. Hmm. That's what it is. Like, it's, yeah, but you're not like, you. <laughs> like, yeah, you're, but you're not like, like some, but he's not having the same interaction he has with you with some other like nurse that he works with that I don't know. Right. So yeah. it's, exactly there's weird variables but like I could stay home alone with Josh yeah exactly and I'd be like totally fine with it but like girl from Red Robin who's just a random waitress that you don't know heck no absolutely not no like I think it really depends on the trust that you have one with your partner but also with the person your partner's going to be hanging out with because you can trust your partner but do you trust the person that they're hanging out with Mm, yeah you never know I mean, there's freaking people who are like, yeah, my husband left me for my mom. Like there was a Reddit, there was a Reddit that I, that there's a a podcast girl who only does like Reddit stories. (laughs) And one of her stories, I saw it on Facebook and it was her husband hooked up with her mom the night before their wedding. Oh my God. And he had been hooking up. And I'm like, well, why would you even follow through with the marriage? But like, that's disgusting. And that's, that's someone's mom. That's a lot of, that's a lot of um dysfunctional problems. That is, oh my gosh. Yeah. I told you Reddit is crazy. So here's the next one. Your spouse should never be your full support system. Agreed. You should be your full support system. Your spouse isn't there to make you happy and turn on your switch. That's your job. Yeah. And I also think it's important to to also make sure you're surrounding yourself with other people and not just your spouse. Like yeah, you need to have pressure for one person. Yeah, exactly. You need mm-hmm. to have friends. You need to have a community of people around you, not just your partner. It's too much on anyone's mental health to be someone's only person. Now you can be someone's person. You're my person. Trevor's my person. I know you have multiple persons in your life, which is, is like, you need it because yeah, it's too much. Even having one just friend that you just rely on heavily, I feel like you need multiple friends. Well, because your friend's gonna get it burnt out as being yeah. your friend. Like you had people like that, and you were like, "I'm burnt out. I don't even want to freaking talk to this person." Yeah, because it gets so overwhelming. It's just like, yeah. oh my goodness, I feel like, like I have to be the emotional support constantly, which. I mean, like, I don't mind being that either. Like, but it's draining. It is draining. Yes. So, yeah. At the end of the day, I do agree that I think it's really important to build a support system of people and not just one person and also and be able to support yourself. yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this one's funny. This, this person went off. She goes, 
I can't stand when couples have shared email addresses and social media accounts. Like, ew, get your own identity. And I also, I never know who I'm talking to. So weird. Hmm. I feel like that's a new age issue. I think so too. But me and my husband just have separate accounts. I feel like that's a trust issue inside that marriage. Like you can't trust your spouse to have their own social media. There's no trust. Seems a little bit controlling. Yeah, I do get that because then, yeah, it's like, who am I talking to? Am I talking to, like, you never know who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. That's like, I think that's like some deep wound healing because Trevor has all his own social media, Facebook, Instagram, and I don't monitor who he talks to on there, but also he, like, I know the password on his phone. So if I, for some reason, like, you know, he's not going to do anything that he wouldn't want me to see. Yeah. I also know the password to his phone, but he also knows the password to my phone. You know what I mean? It ties into that that next one, which is like, there's no expectation of privacy in social media or media devices after you were married. I don't think that there's anything wrong with having each other's passwords to everything. I don't either. We co-share a lot of passwords for a lot of things, but I will preface that with, we're not like constantly like, give me your phone. I want to see who you've been talking to on Instagram and Facebook. Like we're not controlling about it. Mm -hmm. But if for some reason we're out doing something and he needs to get into my phone and take a picture or, you know, I'm not scared of him to see like a text thread pop up on my phone or an Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Notification, like, because I'm not hiding anything. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's see. What else? Okay. Your spouse should outrank your family members, especially if one or more of them disrespect your spouse's home. Hmm. So Trevor and I did make a pact when we got married that it was marriage over everything because mm. we had both had issues on either side of our families where our families took issue with one of us. Mm. And it was a lot of the time it, it, they made drama where it didn't need to be. Mm. And so we just decided when we got married, it was marriage over everything, you know, yeah. We know each other so deeply and we know our families really well that we know that they can be kind of dramatic. So we're like, okay, marriage over everything. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think that it is important because if you think about it, like family, of course, family is important. And, you know, a lot of people have dysfunctional families, but a lot of people also have ride or die families where they Mm -hmm. see family over everything. So I get that. But also, once you're married, now you're living with this person 24-7. Like, that is your family. Yeah, that's like kind of your family now. And you also want to make sure you're in a good place with them in order for your environment to be peaceful. I mean, if you let other family that doesn't live with you get in between your marriage, now you're creating a hostile environment for yourself to live in and resentment and all that. So yeah, I do think it's really important to prioritize your marriage over a lot of outside sources yeah because now like this is your main focus because that's the environment you're living in a healthy environment is extremely important yeah as you would say 100 (laughs) percent one million one million percent yeah okay so this person put in quotations marriage is hard actually no life is hard your marriage should be like a team that tackles those hard parts together not something else difficult to deal with if marriage is constantly hard it's probably because it's not the right person both yes and no so i see where they're coming from they're saying like your marriage shouldn't yes and no yeah like shouldn't be hard but life can make your marriage hard hard. yeah like life life being hard and challenges into your marriage agreed which 
it's not that the marriage itself is hard. It's that working in that partnership can be difficult when you're navigating understanding communication and building the communication and navigating, okay, childhood trauma about emotional regulation, things that maybe you didn't know prior to this, that now your marriage is making you look at your life and challenging all of those things. So the marriage itself, I don't think, no, should be challenging or hard, but I think life can make it that way. Yeah. Like this, your perspective on working through it, like, are you going to work through those things so that you guys can have that peace, like you said, after, or are you just butting heads the whole time? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like this person said, a happy marriage may face hardships such as job loss, a pandemic, infertility, but a good marriage should make the hard times easier because you weather it together. Yeah. So I get that perspective. And I definitely agree. Like how you handle conflict together is very eye-opening. Some of the most difficult times of my mid twenty, mid to late 20s and early 30s were actually made better because Trevor supported me through them instead of writing me off and dismissing me. So I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree with that follow-up comment. I think they hit the nail on the head perfectly. They said everything I was trying to say more poetically because yeah. they wrote it. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, no. And I think your take is great too. Okay. So this one is long. So bear with me as I try to read this all. This person says, you need to talk about sex. You need to talk about it early and you need to be open about your wants and needs. You need to talk about this, especially if you come from a religious background where people go out of their way to not talk about sex. And if you are both virgins at marriage, this needs to be an ongoing discussion because you won't know what your needs are yet. Because both of you are likely to have different needs. If one of you has low libido and the other has a high libido, then the low libido will always dictate how often the two of you have sex and nothing will get you as consistently and irrationally angry as having those needs ignored. And this goes both ways. One person will hate not having enough sex. The other will hate having too much. Discussing this means you will be open and understanding when the time comes for a compromise. Mm. I think even if you're not virgins, it's an ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think early and often is great because with my first long-term relationship, we didn't discuss anything. And when I started having those conversations very early on with Trev, they were really hard for me. They were really hard for me to take that criticism or feedback or even just hearing someone else's needs. It triggered a lot of self wounds like self uh confidence wounds which initially made me kind of shut down and over time and through his support and love and openness actually became a strength and led to me being someone who who didn't enjoy that didn't understand the intimacy that should be involved in it and not having any clue about any needs or any desires that I had I'm complete opposite now. Yeah. But without having those difficult conversations in those times where I was crying and didn't want to have the conversation anymore and it was so uncomfortable and heart-wrenching and my gut felt like turned upside down like with butterflies in it because I thought that if I couldn't have these conversations or I thought if I would or if this didn't function in my relationship, the relationship would end and him constantly fighting for us to get to the other side, to get to where we are now, 
I think it created a stronghold of intimacy that I just don't think I would have with someone else now. I don't know what you think. I agree. I think everything you said makes a lot of sense. And I definitely agree. And I do think, yeah, if you're a virgin or not virgin, when you come together with a partner, talking about sex regardless is so important. A lot of most relationships don't usually see eye to eye on sex. I feel like there's always going to be like opposites attract type of thing, Mm or like there's always going to be one partner who wants it more than the other. Yeah. I feel like it's going to ebb and flow and you have to ask yourself, you have to do self-check-ins to see if you can meet your partner where they're at or if you can't meet them where they're at, what is their reaction? Yeah. And like, is there a way you can find like a compromise? Because of course, like physical intimacy is going to be a high priority for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. For, and you have to ask, you have to learn about yourself, which is the conversations I think are important. So one of the things I've learned about myself is if my physical touch intimacy isn't being met outside of that act, I'm less likely to want to do the act. Mm -hmm. I've got to know before, before that, that you want me in general. Mm -hmm. No, feel feel accepted in the relationship as myself in general before I'm gonna want to do that because if I don't feel accepted as me I don't want to do that yeah no that makes that makes a lot of sense for sure all right so one more there's a lot more we could do but this would take forever if we did them all so we're gonna do one more this person said platonic friendship marriages shouldn't be so taboo and frowned upon Hmm. so does that mean like you're in a marriage but you're not intimately in a marriage you don't like crave each other physically and you're just friends and you're married I think it's a a sexless marriage a sexless marriage I think you can still probably have friend intimacy because you and I still have in in some types of intimacy not sexual intimacy obviously yeah so like I could see what where this person I guess like if both people don't have physical intimate desires then okay like if you both don't Mm -hmm. want sex like some people some people function really well this way because they get married to their platonic friend that meets all of their needs relationship-wise except for like sexual intimacy. But I think some people may be able to differentiate either their sexual intimacy as being separate from that relationship without needing to go be in a full relationship or some people like that type yeah. of thing but then um, I'm wondering why some people don't have any intimacy with their sex and those are the people I kind of think of that w- that would really work for but I don't yeah. know and then I'm wondering like okay so are you in this this marriage married to like your friend and you have a great friendship with your partner but then you allow each other to like find intimacy outside of your marriage mm-hmm. yeah very they like, would. Wonder, is that what happens I mean hey to each their own Whatever works for you in your marriage, I think, great. Like, that works for you. Do what works for you. For me personally. I guess that would just get tricky when it comes into, like, if you want to have kids, how you're going to go about it. Yeah. Are you going to have to do, like, IVF? Are you guys going to adopt? Or do you you say, okay, you know what? Let's have sex. Yeah. Or, <laughs> and then what if that, like, and all of a sudden it sparks comedy, <laughs> does it ruin your friendship? All right, like. It's very interesting to kind of unpack that. It could go so many different ways. And hey, like I said, whatever works for you, works for you. And I support that. Right. But I need intimacy with my partner. I need that. It can't just be platonic. (laughs) 
yeah, there's times where I think the relationship of a marriage is platonic, but there's like mine is, but not always. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, exactly. Like you're going to have moments where it does like, of course, feel that way. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. I think, because I feel like as soon as that's another thing too, I feel like sometimes if all of a sudden, like you don't have as much intimacy as maybe you were once having because you've been together for so long, people all of a sudden want to like run away from the marriage mm-hmm. when that happens instead of working on it. And I don't know. I think that that maybe isn't always the greatest reasoning but behind wanting to leave a marriage. Mm-mm. And I also don't think you need to have sex like all the time in a marriage. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, like it doesn't have to be like an everyday thing. I mean, heck, life is busy and exhausting. Mm. My personal experience too is as the relationship develops, the quality of the intimacy, the sexual interactions usually increases and mm-hmm. the frequency decreases. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But it does, I understand people being fearful if that doesn't correlate for them. Yeah. But that's why like the open communication things are so important. Yeah. And honestly, yeah, sometimes if it's been a little bit and then you have sex, you're like, damn, okay, this is really great because it's been a hot minute. And TMI, but sometimes I just don't even think about it. And then we'll just like somebody else will like talk about how handsome my husband is. And then I'll look at him and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I actually like you. You are super (laughs) handsome. Oh, I, yeah, forgot I, forgot. Have a good, I forgot that we have good intimacy get over here <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah right uh, like sometimes I think it's just a someone who was older and wiser who was very funny was making a joke to me but they said one day if all you eat is spaghetti all the time you don't want spaghetti anymore so sometimes you got to mix mix up the recipe a little bit and that's kind of how I think about it like you have your partner all the time so sometimes you forget how their intrinsic and intangible value that they bring to you and you take it for granted and so then it like I think it dulls your your attraction a little bit and you just need to remind yourself that they're good people which is one of the reasons I posted something recently about, uh, oh, I sent it to Trevor. Let me find it. It was talking about um, intimacy things that you do for one another that are non-sexual, that are like super underrated. Romantic behaviors that are not given nearly enough credit. Completing a task or a chore for them to help reduce their stress. Responding to requests for your help with statements like, I got you, babe. I'm happy to take care of that. Asking questions about their day and demonstrating genuine interest. Bringing them home a special treat from the store. Leaving little notes or small gifts in surprise places. Providing nurturing touch without expectations for anything more. That was a huge one for me. So that's one of the intimacy things I need is is there, I need there to be occasions where I'm receiving nurturing touch without any expectation of anything happening. Mm. Um, being intentional and making them a priority even on days that you are busy following through when you say you'll do something that's a huge one for me I find that incredibly attractive about my husband (laughs) demonstrating patience and kindness when they're struggling big one for me too joining them in their hobby or interests even if it's not your fave don't love riding the motorcycle hugely important to my husband makes him really happy so I do it reminding them that they are lucky to have them by your side that makes sense that last one but that was the ones no I love those those are so true it, and that's the thing whenever we like people talk about intimacy we automatically just go to sex or physical touches but at the end of the day it's like 
there are so many other ways to show intimacy in your relationship. And you show any, that's the other thing like I was talking about. If you exude those things and talk about them with your kids, they take those expectations, those healthy expectations or not even expectations, but healthy ideas and concepts into their adult relationships. I never, I I wouldn't know any of this crap. Oh, for sure. I agree. I agree. Me either. But yeah, so those are some of Reddit's um, personal opinions and hot takes and we expanded on them. If you guys want to add part two, let us know. We would love to hear from you. Talk to us. If you've been listening and you enjoy the podcast and you haven't left like a review, we would also so greatly appreciate that as well. It helps us so much with getting our podcast out there and heard and just growing and we want to be able to continue to do this for you guys so that any help you guys can give us is really appreciated absolutely but we will be back and november i think is going to be a great month so turkey month stay tuned all right guys until next time Mm -hmm.